0: Love Talk Radio. Holistic Health Talk Radio. I'm your host, Barbara Tahuti Wesley Gray, broadcasting live from New York City on Sunday, July 1st, 2012, at 6.30 Eastern Time, and I'm grateful to be of service through this venue and to give thanks to the one most high, my ancestors, my guardians, my mother-in-law, my siblings, and my lovely wife. I'm an interfaith minister, a Reiki practitioner, a shaman, and a marathon runner. And I'm also an Internet entrepreneur. And I sell African drums from my website. Uh, That's at drumsofchange.com, www.drumsofchange.com. Please, uh, when you have a moment to take a visit, then visit my website. I also have a video of me drumming at President Obama's inauguration uh, back in 2008. And I explain one of the reasons why I created drumsofchange.com and why I'm committed To the idea of having a drum, inspiring and invoking the wish that indeed those of us of African descent and those of us throughout the world of other ethnicities to have a drum in our home, especially those of us who have children, so that indeed we can have a conversation about our rich African history and to also be able to embrace some of the rituals that were uh, taken from us. uh, as we came here from africa from mother africa here to the uh, the the uh, western hemisphere so uh indeed today's show uh, this evening's show will be uh is is um, concentrating on a book titled the power of now uh, authored by a uh, gentleman by the name of Eckhart Tolle and uh, he's a very interesting person uh Eckhart Tolle is a contemporary spiritual teacher who is not aligned with any particular religion or tradition, and he writes with the timeliness, uh, uh, should I say, the timeless and uncomplicated clarity of an ancient spiritual master, uh, even a shaman, if you will. And in, he's able to impart a simple yet profound message that uh, is, there's a way that, that is out of suffering and into a state of peace. And he's the author of uh, a few other books. Uh, titled, one titled, The Stillness Speaks, another one, Practicing the Power of Now, and also, A New Earth, which uh, was a book that uh, was shared uh, by uh, Oprah Winfrey on her show uh, a few years ago, and as a matter of fact, I took part in uh, a weekly uh, discussion of his book that was featured on Skype, and he interacted with uh, people throughout the world about this book titled, the New Earth. I was pretty excited about the. Uh, the book, and I read it, and I'm still excited, and I'm looking forward to sharing the book also in in a uh in future shows so uh indeed, this evening show is just in half an hour. I'm looking forward to returning to the hour format by next week, and it should have been this week, but it will definitely be by next week and um, i'm without any further ado, I'm going to now start uh, discussing the uh the essence and the elements that uh, Uh, are are found within this profound book titled The Power of Now. Uh, Those of you in the chat room, I welcome you. I I really give thanks for you sharing your evening with us. And, of course, those of you who are calling in, uh, please uh, press the number one button if you wish to have a conversation with me and the other listening uh, audience and those in the chat room. It would be a pleasure to speak with you. But uh, you can indicate that you would like to share your thoughts by pressing the number one button, and uh, I will definitely tune you in. So I I will start by uh, uh, sharing uh, the essence of Chapter 1, and hopefully we can, uh, you know, become enlightened and share some thoughts and comments. Uh, He states that you are not your mind, which is something that's uh, not too hard to fathom. I guess those of us who have gone through life's journey Understanding uh, certain spiritual modalities, and understanding that indeed there is something beyond the ego, something beyond the initial essence of thinking, that there is a higher force, a higher energy. We some of us call that uh, energy God and other names that uh, represent the Most High, and uh, we can even call it the universal force. But uh, he states he starts off with a, a parable about. Um, Enlightenment, what is it? And he has a story to tell about a beggar who had been sitting by the side of a road for over 30 years. And one day a stranger walked by, and um, the beggar questioned, spare some change, mumbled the beggar. And mechanically holding out his old uh, baseball cap, he he says, I have nothing to give you, said the stranger. And then he asked, what's that that you're sitting on? And uh, the beggar replied, nothing. Well, just an old box. I've been sitting on it for as long as I can remember. And the stranger asks, have you ever looked inside? And no, said the beggar. What's the point? There's nothing in there. Well, have a look inside, insisted the stranger. And the beggar managed to pry open the lid. And with astonishment, disbelief, and elation, he saw that the box was filled with gold. And he goes on to say that I am a stranger who has has nothing to give you and who is telling you to look inside, not inside any box, as in the parable, but somewhere even closer inside yourself. But I am not a beggar. I can hear you say, as he uh, states in the book, and, um, and he states that those of you who have not found their true wealth, which is the radiant joy of being and the deep, unshakable peace that comes with it, beggars. Even if they have great material wealth, they are looking outside for scraps of pleasure or fulfillment, for validation, security, or love, while they have a treasure within that not only includes all those things that is infinitely greater than anything the world can offer. The word enlightenment conjures up the idea of some superhuman accomplishment, and the ego likes to keep it that way. But it's simply your natural state of felt oneness with being. It is a state of connectiveness with something immeasurable and indestructible, something that almost paradoxically is essentially you and yet is much greater than you. It is finding your true nature beyond name and form. The inability to fill this connection gives rise to the illusion of separation from yourself and from the world around you. You then perceive yourself Consciously and unconsciously, as an isolated fragment, a fragment rather, and fear arises, and conflict within and without becomes the norm. I love Buddha's simple definition of enlightenment as the end of suffering. There is nothing superhuman in that, and there is, of course, as a definition, it is incomplete. It only tells you that enlightenment is not no suffering, but what's left when there is no more suffering? And then the Buddha is silent on that. And his silence implies that you'll have to find out for yourself. He uses a negative definition so that the mind cannot make it into something to believe in or into a superhuman accomplishment, a goal that is inseparable, inseparable from you to attain and almost impossible. Despite this precaution, the majority of Buddhists still believe that enlightenment is for Buddha and not for them, at least not in this lifetime. And you use the word Buddha Uh, as he states in the book. And by the way, I must state that the book is written in such as a question-and-answer type of uh, interchange. And uh, he has questions that I guess students and uh, people who have listened to his lectures have asked in his travels around the world, and then he has answers that's contained in the book. And myself, as an African-American, I know that there is somewhat of a uh, a, a juxtaposition of... uh, Uh, if not conflict, of uh, understanding that indeed uh, living in the now, the power of now can be very relevant to the guide, uh, to the path of spiritual enlightenment. But, of course, we must also be mindful of our history or our story, as it were, going back 400 years uh, or so that we've been here in the Western Hemisphere. And then, of course, going back uh, hundreds of thousands of years, as it were, uh, as we lived in the motherland, and that things have been erased from our consciousness. And it's, it's good to be tuned in and, and, and locked, locked into the power of now so that you can obtain the stillness and be in a state of contemplation and meditation of the essence of now. Uh, but also it is important that we are uh, connected to our past as, uh, as Africans, as people of African descent. And indeed all human beings that exist on this on this earth are of African descent because uh humanity started in, in Africa, in the heart of Africa. All these fossils were find, found in Ethiopia. And I won't get into the dialogue of that, but I just had to just resonate with that thought that this came through me from spirit as I um, share the essence of the book by Erhak Toli, The Power of Now. So he goes on to say that uh The word God has become empty of meaning through thousands of years of misuse. And he says that I use it sometimes, but I do so sparingly. And by misuse, I mean the people who have never even glimpsed the rim of the sacred, the infinite vastness beyond the word, use it with great conviction, as if they knew what they were talking about. Or they argue against it, as if they knew what it is that they are denying. And I want to thank, uh, there were some others that just came on uh, and tuned in and, and by phone, and if you wish to have a dialogue with me, please feel free to uh, hit the number one button, and it would be a pleasure to speak with you. Um, this misuse gives rise to absurd beliefs, assertions and ego, uh, delusions such as, my or our God is the only true God, and your God is false. And Nietzsche, the famous, has famous statement, he said that God is dead. Well, that's not true. I don't embrace that. But the word God has become a closed concept. The moment the word is uttered, a mental image is created, no longer perhaps of an old man with a white beard, but still a mental uh, representation of someone or something outside of you, and yes, almost inevitably a male someone or something. Uh, Neither God nor being nor any word can define or explain the ineffable reality behind the word. So the only important question is whether the word is a help or a hindrance in enabling you to experience the essence, and that is the essence of going beyond itself that is transcendental reality, and does it lend itself to easily becoming a more than an idea in your head than you believe in, or just a mental idol. So uh, I'm going to go a little further on uh, where he starts talking about uh, dealing with uh, the essence of thinking. He states that thinking has become, in so many uh, concepts, a a disease, and a disease which happens when things get out of balance. For example, there is nothing wrong with cells dividing and multiplying in the body, but when this process continues in disregard of the total organism, cells proliferate and we have disease. And he states that the mind, is a superb instrument if used rightly. But used wrongly, however, becomes very destructive. And to put it more accurately, it is not so much that you use your mind wrongly, you usually don't use it at all. Rather, it uses you, and this is the disease. We believe that you are, uh, you know, you believe that you are your mind, and this is the the, the delusion, the instrument has taken over. So he, he talks about, and I'm not going to go with it right now in depth, but the constant chatter that we have within our minds, within our consciousness. And meditation is a practice that allows you to eliminate that extraneous essence of chatter that goes through our minds. And a lot of us, we we try to uh, abate this chatter by tuning in, if not indeed tuning out, by listening to music, by singing, by uh, dancing, by uh, looking at TV by looking at sports, and that takes that inner chatter into actually sometimes another external chatter phenomenon. So uh, one of the things that Eckhart talks talks about is how to get to the point where you eliminate the chatter. And part of that process of eliminating the chatter is by um, uh, uh, dealing with the essence of now, dealing with what is most important in your life, not the past and not the future, but the present moment, now. So I just wanted to fill fill you in on that particular observation that I made uh, um, later on in what he writes in the book, and how it resonated with me. And I'm still working on it. It's still an ongoing life journey of work, uh, of being not uh, making yourself susceptible to inner unnecessary chatter, and also not allowing those in your uh, circle, and your uh, uh environ your life circle to uh, impact their chatter sorry their chatter into your particular psyche so that indeed they're taking up your space and you're taking up your time with things that really are nonsense they don't make any sense in terms of the overall view of the world and overall view of your particular life's journey so um, indeed uh, I, I'm pretty excited about sharing more of this book Uh, As I mentioned before, the show is just for half an hour. We've got about 15 more minutes uh, remaining. But uh, by next week, uh, we will be back into a one-hour format, and that will lend itself so that, indeed, we can get more in-depth with, uh, as Harptoli's book, The Power of Now. And I will just go on to state that he says um, that when someone goes to the doctor and says, I hear a voice in my head, and he or she will most likely sent to the psychiatrist, and the fact is that in a very similar way, virtually everyone hears a voice, if indeed they hear several voices in their head all the time, and the involuntary thought process that you don't realize you have the power to stop, continuous monologues or dialogues continually going on into your, in your mind, and you have probably come across mad people in the street, incessantly talking or muttering to themselves. Well that's not much different from what you and all other normal people do except that you don't do it out loud. The voice comments, speculates, judges, compares and complains, likes, dislikes and so on and the voice isn't necessarily relevant uh up to the situation that you find yourself in at the time. It may be reviving the recent or distant past or rehearsing or imagining imagining something Uh, that was possible in the future uh, situations. And here it often imagines things going wrong and negative outcomes. And this is called worry. And sometimes this soundtrack is accompanied by visual images or mental movies. And even if the voice is relevant to the situation at hand, it will interpret it in terms of the past. And that is because the voice belongs to your conditioned mind which is the result of all your past history as well as all as well as of the collective cultural mindset that you have inherited. So you see and judge the present through the eyes of the past and get a totally distorted view of it. It is not uncommon for the voice to be a person's own worst enemy, and many people live with a tormentor in their head that continuously attacks and punishes them and drains them of vital energy. And it is the cause of untold misery and unhappiness, as well as of disease. But he goes on to state that the good news, the good news is that you can free yourself from your mind, and this is the only true liberation. You can take the first step right now and start listening to the voice in your head as often as you can and paying particular attention to any repetitive thought patterns, those old old, gramophone records that have been playing in your head perhaps for many years. And that is what I mean by watching the thinker, which is another way of saying listen to the voice in your head, be there as the witnessing presence. And when you listen to that voice, listen to it impartially. That is to say, do not judge. Do not judge or condemn what you hear. For doing so would mean that the same voice has come in again through the back door. And you'll soon realize that there is the voice. And here I am listening to it, watching it, and there I am with the realization and this sense of your own presence is not a thought. It arises from beyond the mind. And I, I'm, I'm driven to think of those of us, I know in earlier years I used to drink alcohol and I used to smoke marijuana and experiment with other uh, drugs, as it were, um, even a little bit of psychedelic drugs, for that matter, for spiritual enlightenment, and when I was in college, and I recognize now that back then I was attempting to deal with resolutions in terms of the voice, uh, those things that I inherited from um, the divorce of my parents, my mother, uh, my my siblings, the voice of my other relatives, as it were, uh, the voice of my friends and and their parents and whatnot. On and on, we're all uh, exponentially you know, interconnected with our own voice and others, the voices of others. And then here in the Western Hemisphere, we're taught that we can uh, nullify those voices which have a negative impact upon us by taking drugs, including alcohol, by engaging in excessive sexual relationships so that, indeed, we do not have to deal with that inner voice uh, and we're able to self-medicate ourselves, if you were. Uh, So there's a lot to say about what Eckhart Tolle is touching upon in terms of how we deal with that inner voice. Then, of course, some of us will embrace a certain religion, a certain spiritual tradition, as it were, so that indeed prayer can take place, or should I say take place of that uh, extraneous inner voice. And as we pray, of course, we know that that can be a very healing force, can be a very positive force, our connection with the Most High, our connection with God, whatever name we give the Most High. So um, there's a lot that's happening right now as of today. There's a transformation that's happening collectively throughout the world in terms of people uh, attempting to reconcile uh, how to do it, the voice that's uh, destructive and that constitutes a disease as opposed to those of us who are trying to live a life of ease and to be able to be and the experience of living the now. So um, he states that also that when you listen to a thought, you are aware of not only of the, uh, the thought, but also of yourself as the witness of the thought. And that there's a new dimension of consciousness which has come in, and as you listen to the thought, you feel a conscious presence, your deeper self, and behind or underneath the thought, as it were, the thought then loses its power over you and quickly subsides because you are no longer energizing the mind through identification with it. And this is the beginning of the end of involuntary and compulsive thinking. And when the thought subsides, you experience a discontinuity in the mental stream, a gap of no mind. And at first the gap will be short, a few seconds perhaps, but gradually they will become longer. And when those gaps occur, you feel a certain stillness, and a certain amount of peace inside of you. And this is the beginning of your natural state of felt oneness with being, which is usually obscured by the mind. And with practice, though, the sense of stillness and peace will deepen. In fact, there is no end to this depth. You are also full a subtle emanation of joy arising from the deep within. In other words, the joy of being. And that's why some of us get so excited when we know that we're about to go to the beach or uh, well, maybe they're not the beach because you have the, the rumble of the ocean and the waves, but even that can be very meditative and very uh soothing. But those of us who go into the woods, go on hiking uh trips, excursions, there's a certain stillness uh that, that you experience uh during the day. And then of course at night there's also stillness but you hear the crickets and And you hear the the natural noises, but there's a stillness. You don't hear the sirens and the horns uh, honking from the cars and firecrackers happening as we're about to have here in our community or those of us in the Western Hemisphere three days from now, the celebration of the 4th of July. And then, of course, oh, my God, we can be so grateful that we do not live in certain countries where there's constant, incessant uh, bombings going on and There's just a horror, those of us who read The the, the Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad can identify with that word that I use, horror, that some of us do not have any moment in which we are able to meditate, in which we are able to really uh, delve within our our psyche. And then, of course, there's Dr. Joy uh, Delory, uh, who deals with the the theory, uh, with her being a um, Ph.D. in, in uh, social psychology, uh, the post-traumatic sl- uh, stress slave syndrome, that those of us uh, who were of African descent suffer from the passing on from generation to generation to generation, going back 400-plus years of us going through a post-traumatic slave syndrome, stress uh, syndrome. So, uh, indeed, that's something that I look forward to talking about within uh, the. It's later on this summer and future shows about the fact that it, that uh, and it's not just African post-traumatic slave syndrome, but uh, all ethnic groups suffer from that to some degree, even those who feel as if they've been privileged uh, to be part of that uh, end of the spectrum who enslaved people. Uh, they, of course, suffer. So uh, there's a lot to say in terms of dealing with the power of now, and the power of now actually incorporates the essence of uh, uh, the, our interconnectedness with one another, that we are all interdependent upon one another, and that we all are susceptible to the influences of each other's thoughts, each other's contemplations. So uh, uh, we have to just understand that that's something that's very profound, and Eric Hattoli, uh through his uh, insightfulness, is able to share these thoughts with us through the book titled The Power of Now. I'm going to take a short break, and when we return, we have about four minutes remaining. Again, I want to thank you for tuning in, and please stay tuned. To the book, and uh, something of interest, I think, that you will enjoy. Uh, Earhart touches upon the fact that he says instead of waiting, or should I say, instead of watching the thinker, you can also create a gap in the mind where, uh, in the mind stream, simply by directing the focus of your attention into the now, and just become intensely conscious of the present moment. And this is a deeply satisfying thing to do. And in this way, you draw consciousness away from mind activity and create a gap of no mind in which you are highly alert and aware, but not thinking. And this is the essence of meditation. And in your everyday life, you can practice this by taking any routine activity that normally is only a means to an end and giving it your fullest attention so that it becomes an end in itself. For example, every time you walk up and down the stairs in your house or place of work, Pay close attention to every step, every movement, even your breathing. Be totally present, or when you wash your hands, pay attention to all the senses associated with this activity, the sound and fill of water, the movement of your hands, the scent of the soap, and so on. Or when you get into your car, after you close the door, pause for seconds and observe the flow of your breath. Become aware of a silent but powerful sense of presence there's one certain criterion by which you can measure your success in this practice, and that is the degree of peace that you feel within. So again, I want to thank you for listening. And as always, I give thanks to the Most High, and I state that indeed we give uh, this evening to you, dear God. May our minds stay centered on the things of spirit and goodness. May we not be tempted to stray from love. And as we begin this week, we open to receive you. Please enter where you already abide, May our minds and hearts be pure and true, and may we not deviate from the things of goodness. May we see the love and innocence in all mankind behind the masks we all wear and the illusions of this worldly plane. We surrender to you our doings this evening. We ask only that they serve you in the healing of the world, and may we bring your love and goodness with us to give unto others wherever we go. Make us people you would have us be, direct our footsteps, and show us what you would have us do, and make the world a safer, more beautiful place. Bless all your creatures, heal us all, and use us, dear Lord, that we might know that being used by you. We thank you again. Please tune in next week. Namaste, shalom, assalamu, alaikum, one love, peace and love, all my relations, God bless.